Cape Talk. The Fringe. Only on late nights. I go now to Ansi Minar, who is an animal wrangler. Ansi, that's an unusual name. Tell us um, what it means. Yeah. Are you are you literally <laughs> wrestling with animals? <laughs> not not on a good day, no. No, not on a good day. As a behaviorist, however, we have we have had our moments. Um wrangling is far more organized. Um we using animals who are trained for whatever it is we are requiring them to do. And invariably it's either for a commercial, a TV commercial or for a film shoot um, or something of that nature, even on stage live. So, so one yeah. is literally working with animals who are trained to do what is required of them and and no, hopefully no wrestling going on. <laughs> I was a bit nervous. I, I just said to Malibongwe, um, I, I'm hoping, you know, you don't, you, you know, force the animals to do things. Because, I mean, there's a big concern, of course, uh, that comes from circuses. But the, the way that, that, that um, uh, animals are often wrestled into submission, um, it sounds like all you do is execute the training. And that's very fine-tuned. Like, um, um, it's not just any animal. It, the animal is actually handpicked for the job. Yes. In that its personality is suited to the task at hand. So invariably you're using animals that are outgoing, that, um, love working. Um, and, and all of this work is actually done as part of a game. You know, it's yes. a game. You do this, you get this reward. Yes. So working with treats the whole time and everybody should be enjoying it. And if they're not, then they shouldn't be there. So it's about positive. I just want to clarify, this is about positive reinforcement. You're not um, making the animals subjugate to you. As you say, they love doing it and it's part of uh, what they do. And sometimes once they train, they, they'll do it even if they don't get the treat. Correct, yes. Okay. So you've we'll- actually conditioned them to love working. Yes. I mean, so. I, I was once on a, on a shoot, um, and, uh, they had some geese and I thought, sure, that's interesting. How do you train geese? <laughs> I think, um, I'm also an animal behaviorist. So if you understand the animal you're working with okay. and how their natural rhythms work, you, you can use that knowledge. For example, if you want geese to go from point A to point B. Yeah. Um, it would be an idea to maybe lay a little trail of food initially, um, maybe do some training where you're feeding on that particular spot, and then when they are released, they zap off into that area um, happily. Alternatively, you could almost like a border collie with, with sheep, you could, without a perimeter, a little bit of um, pushing, if you know what I mean, some pressure points, you, they would go where you want them to go. Um, so you, if you understand the animals you're working with and, and, and you're using happy happy methods, then everybody is happy. Uh, of course, uh, John Matham is on Cape Talk and we hear the promotion for the production. He's in Shakespeare in Love. And then, of course, at the end, it's And the Bit with the Dog. Um, are, dogs, are dogs perhaps more malleable in terms of, I mean, here's a dog on a stage. Uh, you do shoots often in confined spaces. Are dogs possibly your your biggest customers? They're the animal that is used possibly most in film shoots, only because, in my opinion, they the public relate with them more because oh. we all, well, most of us have pets and therefore no family, I suppose, commercially would be complete without a pet. 
Um, sometimes it's a cat. Um, dogs are definitely easier to work with because we naturally train them anyway, or to a, to a certain degree. Because for a dog to live happily in your home, you, they would need to have some form of some rules so that everybody can live happily side by side. So everybody you want to or not, you end up training your dog one way or another, some to a lesser degree, some to a, a deeper a deeper need. Do you, like, um, do you yeah. get to do, do insects? I was I was watching a movie once with a lot of sort of um, bugs and things. Yes, is, yes, you do. Is like, that also about you, feeding them? Um, not entirely. Um, what did you the, the insects that you remember seeing? What what was being done with them? Well, I'm thinking of things like cockroaches and you know, um, you know, getting them to almost act intelligently. <laughs> Do you think that's just hours and hours of footage? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of takes, particularly when you start putting kids and dogs together. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. A lot of our things. Um, I think, like, for example, a butterfly, you know, if you're picking a butterfly that is from that area and you know which way the wind's coming from and which way the sun is and what time of day it is, you're, you're pretty likely to have a butterfly fly off in the direction you want it to if you, if you know what you're working with. Mm. So it might seem intelligent, but I think it's just a case of knowing your business and mm-hmm. doing the necessary research. And as you say, it's understanding the animal and yes. and then putting yes. it in the context. Um, yes. um, uh, birds are also highly intelligent. I'm thinking of of um, uh, a, a movie like Game of Thrones where you get those pigeons. I mean, that, that was the email of the time. And when you think how quickly those pigeons zoomed off with those messages... Um, uh, is that an art that's that's been lost, homing pigeons? No, not at all. Um, you have a lot of homing pigeons for racing. Um, in, in Cape Town? So yes. Oh, okay. Yes. yes, it's a thriving, going sport. My producer's so, nodding at me. He knows it well. <laughs> so they would take the pigeons off in to a certain area and then release them, and having ensured that their natural path straight home is free of any possible, like, you know, like wires and, and, and huge electrical areas and such like, uh-huh. you would, you would then release them and the pigeon would, initially they, they come out the box, they do a little bit of a turn just to suss out what's north, south, west, east. And once they've got that, they're all straight line, straight to home. Wow. No, it's definitely not lost. Wow. Now things go wrong on sets. That same one where I mentioned the geese. I was a fishwife and I had a knife and I was standing next to a butcher who had a meat cleaver. And when the director shouted cut, he brought his hand down and sliced my hand. I've got a huge scar on my hand as we speak. Um, do you have the animal equivalent of that when things go wrong? And you think, what, we, what was I thinking? No, never. Um, possibly because we're probably even stricter on animals than we are on human beings. The, there is very much a, the, the whole industry falls under the DAF, the Department of Agriculture and Forestry. And the bylaws have recently changed in that you have to have an animal inspector on board when you're shooting with animals. So it is almost an added, um, Level of compliance, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, 100%, yeah. where you really cannot 
make mistakes. They won't, they won't allow you even. But even us as wranglers, I mean, as a wrangler, you, you, you have the responsibility of never putting the animal in distress, let alone under danger. So the Perhaps. animal inspector is there as a, even as more of a backup. I suppose what I meant is when things go wrong, I mean, that you really hadn't planned it. Do you sometimes find things go wrong and it actually makes for a better look on camera? For example, the dog went the wrong way or something or did a flip-flop and everyone likes it better than the planned move. Yes, there are some directors who who want every move as per yeah, the storyboard, picture yeah. in their head. Yeah. And there are other directors who quite like running loose with it a bit. Okay. Um, so they'll open themselves up to that sort of thing. And even in their directing, they would say, they'd say something like, well, let's see what the dog does, which is great because that means <laughs> it's an open book. Whatever happens goes. Because <laughs> mm, sometimes it, it can um, seem like chaos, but it actually it works well on camera. Yes. Um, I'd hate to think it was chaos because then I've lost control. But, <laughs> but, uh, but perhaps yes, scripted chaos. So yeah, 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 yes. yeah. So what was the most unusual animal you've had to work with? I suppose, I suppose snakes still come across as a, as a bit of a, do I really have to? Um, I'm not overly comfortable with them. So generally one would avoid jobs with things that you're not really particularly comfortable with. Yes. Um, other than that, probably the pig. Because they are incredibly intelligent. Yes. And they, they, <laughs> when they put their foot down, they mean it. <laughs> <laughs> they are so stubborn. <laughs> um, and if you do push the edges, they really get aggressive. So I think, I think perhaps not the most unusual animal, but certainly the most challenging animal I've ever worked with. Uh, were they little ones, the pork, the little, or the, yes. or the big ones? Yeah, we, we, okay. we had, we had, a, we had a, a mommy and and two little little ones. Okay, yeah, uh, snakes are interesting. I, I also had a, a, a healthy um, uh, kind of respect and kept a, a, an incredible distance. And until I was working in a rehab, and one of the addicts had had found his path to recovery through snakes. And he used to go looking for snakes and scorpions under rocks and things. And there's something about being in the silence of it that suddenly it doesn't become something to be scared of. It becomes an animal that you're in awe of. Um, yes. No, I think it's like anything. If you understand it um, and, and, and therefore can almost think or be in its head, then, then one shouldn't be afraid of anything. But I suppose I grew up with, with nightmares of snakes. That's always been a hard one for me. And of course, the, do you think that um, as sentient beings, they, they, they sense that? Yes. I think, I think any animal will, mm. that's how they stay alive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So very much. I was I was also with a with a beekeeper who was collecting ten thousand bees, and he didn't he didn't kit up he didn't put on the the net and he didn't uh, wear the gloves and he said come and I was walking with him uh, we I, and I it was just that particular moment because um, once if if one stings you, you 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 know it becomes a completely different situation but they were it, it just cleaning the the, the hive um, it, it, do you. Do you feel that you get a sense that that you are in a um, kind of level with an animal 
where it it becomes, as you say, more understanding, more uh, sort of cosmic communication. I'm sounding very airy fairy now. Trying no, to I think I think I know what you're trying to get at. I've I come across that far more in my capacity as a behaviorist. Um, okay. I mean, just the other day, I was I was facing an English bulldog, and unfortunately, it hadn't been raised particularly well. Um, and it was quite ready to, to challenge anybody who put pressure on it. Mm. Um, and there was a moment, and I can understand the whole snake thing and Scorpio and looking under rocks and things, because there's a moment when you are so at one mm. with the moment mm. that it feels like it's going on forever, and yet it was probably a split second. Mm. Mm. But there was that one moment where if I'd, I knew if I'd, if I'd put more pressure on and moved forward, I probably would have led to a bite mm. or even an attack. If I had backed off, it would have opened up the door to a power play in moments. Yeah. Um, it was about holding my ground, being very mm. still, and just staying with that moment and riding that wave, um, fully knowing what every action was going to lead to. And it, it's moments like that that you walk away with and you remember and you treasure because it's talk about living on the edge. It's, it's, it's amazing to, to be that close to an animal that we're on the same wavelength is, mm. is amazing. Mm. Absolutely mm. amazing. It's, it's treasured moments, but no, you don't want to push for those moments when you're shooting. <laughs> no, because I mean, um, as you say, um, you're, you're, you're air on the clock. And I can assume that you get those those jobs dependent on your reputation. So if um, very definitely, you yes. know, yeah. they want to know that um, when they're ready, because of course, um, shooting is a lot of hurry up and wait. So it's about getting the right camera angles and um, everything's got to be right. And then, of course, the animal's got to come into the picture. And that part of it is always going to be challenging because they, everybody else seems to need far too long to get ready once the animal's in place. Yeah. So you're always, sometimes you stop breathing. You, you want to work um, with a team <laughs> that appreciates that. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes you feel you need to turn around and say, uh, guys, listen, I'm just going to step out for a moment. Let me know when you're really ready yeah. because yeah. I, I can't hold this. Yeah. Um, but yes, the teamwork, I cannot stress that enough. Team, it's so enjoyable working with a team where everybody wants everybody else to win. So, yeah, you yeah. know, there's a caring and a caring atmosphere. It, that's great to work with a team like that. And the director, and you know what, I think it's the director that makes or breaks that. Okay. If he like sets the scene and that, and he goes about it a certain way, it looks, it, it, to me, it looks like the whole team then falls in behind him. You said he... You start getting a director that's snappy and by the book and you said he or most of the directors he in your experience <laughs> sadly I'm, I suppose sadly yes they are um, not that there's anything wrong with a male director um, but yes they they definitely by far the majority of the directors are males the only reason I ask is um, I was talking recently about a shoot I was on when the the director and most of the crew were women and I have never been on a, a set where everything got done with more efficiency, less waiting, and a sense of community. That's brilliant, because I love working in those vibes. And yes, you're right. Sometimes we get female production managers, um, particularly on the store shoots, mm. and they're brilliant to work with. It's, it's, um, mm. it's like clockwork. Yeah, yeah.
Now, why do you get called an animal wrangler? Why don't you get called an animal behaviorist? Um, I love the word wrangler. I mean, it, it leans towards genes. Uh, <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, it possibly other things. <laughs> It probably stems back from the old days when you were the horse wranglers. Um, and way back, uh, the Western days, those were all referred to as wranglers. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I think the term came from, from history. And, and as Not an, for the same purpose. I'm but, sure, I'm <laughs> sure. As, as an animal wrangler, do you find that there's certain people who specialize in, like, for example, you said snakes. Do some people specialize in yes. snakes and spiders and some people specialize in horses, for example? And, yes. Okay. And, and you might now end up, uh, after your experience, uh, be, be a pig specialist. <laughs> um, one, one chooses a, I don't think one could specialize quite as tightly as just pegs. I probably okay. wouldn't work much. Um, <laughs> but certainly in terms of um, horses, it's a very specialized area. And particularly in movies, I mean, where you, you've got hundreds of horses and riders, and that becomes a really, really big job, far more so than somebody like my, myself could handle. Whereas if you had um, like a horse farm at your disposal and and a whole lot of riders and other like-minded people, mm. you, you could deliver. Um, but for me, I mean, I, I, I've got a couple of horses on my book, but these are specialized ones who can rear on, on command, who can uh, bow, do dressage, who can yeah. bareback ride. Um, okay. they, can, they can literally be 10 meters away, and we could ask for a weight, and we've got a model on their back balancing. And then on the sea, we could you know, ask the horse to walk, walk forward and come. Basically, so yeah. you're off camera, but the horse is doing everything a dog might, yeah. um, and and happily doing it. So, so these specialised type horses, yes, but but not the huge, big, yeah, wool movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> no. you also mentioned that with the pigs, you know, sometimes the animals are stubborn, and so, um, you know, y y y I suppose sometimes it takes longer than you would have hoped. <laughs> um, but it's about getting the shot done, and and anybody in the movie industry knows that uh, some things you you just can't set a time for. How much of your work is done with private people? What the film wrangling work? No, no, just animal behavior. You know, oh, that's all private. All the behavior stuff is private. Okay. Well, how much um, how much do you do on the movies, and how much do you do the private work? It comes in waves. Um, I also do puppy classes, so you'll find that. Three, four times a year when there's a Flurry. <laughs> lots yeah. of puppies around. Okay. Um, so those puppy classes would last for like, like eight weeks or whatever. The behaviorism seems to also happen in waves in that people seem to want to tackle their dog issues um, now when spring and ah, summer are around. Okay. They're not that into it in winter for some reason. Um, but what I do get in winter is just plain good old-fashioned group training Oh wow! Or me going to a home and training their dog for them, for example, okay. um, where they just walk away from it. The film industry is seasonal as well. It sort of starts October, November, and yeah. then finishes Aprilish. And yeah. then there's also I don't get too involved in the actual movies as opposed to commercials because some of the movies might last throughout the year. Yeah. Um, the movies I think are for well, in my opinion, more for the for the younger ones who are quite okay. happy to move out of home for two, three months okay. and okay. live in quarters and not 
have to be responsible for much. Um, Auntie, where are you based in Cape Town? I live in Heart Bay. Okay. And how can people get hold of you? Um, I have a website and it's Hot Dogs Animal Actors. Um, and, and, um, I'm in the book. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much uh, for sh- for sharing what you do. And if anyone wants to get hold of you, they can track you down. Superb. Nice chatting to you. Much appreciate your time on Cape Talk. Thank you. All the best. Bye-bye.